Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the F1 show for the 2008 Malaysian Grand Prix. This begins our second year as F1 show, so Jim and I celebrated the show's paper anniversary this year with fresh race results stats. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau, and although the race was more straightforward than last week's, there's still plenty to talk about. The country of Italy took a collective sigh of relief. Ah. <sighs> as Kimi Raikkonen cruised to victory to claim his and Ferrari's first win. This catapults Raikkonen to second in the Drivers' Championship with 11 points. Several seconds behind, Robert Kubica grabbed second for BMW Sauber, a satisfying result for the young pole after being robbed of a podium last weekend. The highest finishing McLaren came third in the hands of Heike Kovalainen, who drove smart and clean all weekend to finish where he qualified. Kovalainen's teammate, Lewis Hamilton, could not make his way around Yarno Trulli and had to settle for fifth. This gave Trulli and Toyota a very solid fourth place finish, an encouraging result for the Japanese powerhouse. Hamilton may well have finished better had things not gone so Barney in his first pit stop. More on that later. Nick Heidfeld muscled his BMW to the fastest lap of the race, but managed merely sixth fastest for the race distance, while Weber and Alonso rounded out the final point paying positions Weber holding off Alonso for 7th and putting his Red Bull team on the Constructors' Championship board with two points. Well, Jim, this uh, race result was a bit more of what we expected based on preseason te uh, testing. What did you think? Well, the Ferraris are back on top, and uh, with Felipe Massa having the pole and then Kimi Raikkonen in second spot. Um, although, I'm not quite sure what happened with Massa, man. He, he wigged out partway through the race, you know, 30 laps in, about a little over half distance. And uh, just spun off the track, and it's really disappointing to uh, to see Massa out again like that, second race in a row. I mean, zero points on the board for who you know the guy who should be, the, you know, one of the top four drivers in the sport. So that's uh, definitely got to hurt for Ferrari, and they really got to be putting the pressure on Massa at this point to because uh, he's 14 points behind Kimi and or behind uh, Hamilton, and 13 points behind Kimi. He's got some work to do. Well, you know, Ferrari with you know Massa's performance aside, Ferrari the vehicle, the car showed. Amazing pace. They they had uh, one two in qualifying. They were well ahead of anybody else, and they outpaced the field during the race before Massa spun. Now uh, Massa actually grabbed the pole from Raikkonen, and now we suspected just like about everyone else that Raikkonen was heavier on fuel, and he was, but not by that much. Uh, only a lap based on when they came in for their first pit, but. The car was very strong. Raikkonen was able to match Massa, and then once Raikkonen got his open lap, he was able to pass Massa in the first uh, pits, uh, first pit stops, and then cruise to victory without too much trouble. They were both driving each other pretty hard until Massa had his incident that you talked about, which, as far as we can tell, was just purely a mistake by his part, which is two DNFs. He's zero for two. Yeah, and that played perfectly into Kimi Raikkonen's hands because he was... Uh, he Raikkonen's only competition really was Felipe Massa throughout this race. I mean, they, the two of them just walked off in front of Robert Kubica, who was doing a solid place in third, but just did not have the pace to match the Ferraris. So when Massa, the, the instant that Massa was off track, Kimi Raikkonen was no longer racing him and could dial his pace back down just to match Heidfels, just to, or to, to match Kubica, just to stay ahead. So 
uh, as far as Kimi is concerned, he was just conserving the engine because it's got to last another race weekend, and uh, just just driving it home at that point. So uh, uh, couldn't have gone any you know much better for uh, for Kimi. But yeah, he was over 20 seconds ahead of Robert Kubica at the time and had no reason to go any faster than he needed to. Exactly, and uh, there wasn't a whole lot of passing on track in this race. A lot of it was in pit stops and pit strategy. Um, for example, Mark Webber, who was holding up. Uh, for, uh, Lewis Hamilton for a while, um, you know, uh, ended up uh, Hamilton passed him in the pits, and there was some sort of trickery with keeping out Hamilton pretty long on his second stint, and then doing a really quick pit stop to get you know just a dash of fuel and get back out. Um, so there was a lot of sort of the strategy involved, and that's how Raikkonen actually passed uh, Massa as well. It was not on track, which is uh, less exciting than the on track passes. Obviously, a good battle with uh, with a well executed pass, I think, is sort of the best thing to watch. And uh, having it work out, work its way out in the pits is still part of the strategy and still interesting, but not quite as exciting as really seeing it play out right in front of you. Yeah, this definitely wasn't the free-for-all that Australia was. It was a, a more behaved uh, F1 squad, but, you know, it was still an interesting race just the same. And I think probably slightly more telling of what's to come for the season. Uh, Australia, there are so many DNFs and stuff, it's really hard to sort out who was really quick. And... Uh, as we go out throughout the podcast, you're going to hear more about that. Um, but McLaren and uh, you know Lewis specifically did not have the pace that they had last weekend. Well, they didn't, but I think also obviously the result is also affected by the fact that both McLaren drivers had five uh, five spot penalties for impeding other cars during qualifying. Um, that's that's sort of the big story we haven't really touched on is is that um, Fernando or what? Sorry, Fernando. Yeah, nice. Um, Hecky and Lewis actually both qualified three, third, and fourth in qualifying, and were both bumped five spots because when they were on their their slowdown lap after their after their main flying lap, um, both Nick Heidfeld and Fernando Alonso were still qualifying and they were still running at ten tenths. And they, both of those drivers actually had to drive around the slower McLarens, and uh, the the McLarens were actually on the racing line during their cool down. And both Alonso and Heidfeld claimed that that slowed down their qualifying lap, which I think is perfectly justified. I think it is because look at where Kubica qualified um, up in uh, sixth spot, and uh, with Nick Heidfeld down, I guess he was in seventh. But uh, Nick Heidfeld was on a really fast lap and had to slow down and. Uh, you know, to to get around, he had to weave around. You know, between lots of cars going very slowly, so it was sort of a dicey situation that could have been certainly a whole lot worse. And uh, Heike Kovalainen proposed that they have different rules regarding how slowly the cars can go on their cooldown lap, and whether more rules are what's required here. Just a little more heads up from the drivers remains to be seen. But uh, either way, that's what set the McLarens back and set Lewis Hamilton back to mid-pack. But even with the with his spot, I mean, he, he made up uh, several spots right on the start, but wasn't able to get around Mark Webber and just had trouble with his tires. I mean, he Lewis Hamilton was really hard, especially on his left front tire on the first stint. And whether there was just the graining and he was trying to push the car a bit too hard, or if there was actually some problem with the handling of the setup, um, we don't we're not quite sure. But uh, he definitely was really hard on his tires and and, and ended up having a problems with his right front tire um, in his first pit stop. Well, going going back to the qualifying. I think we definitely want to be careful about suggesting more rules. I understand where co-lining is coming from, but I think definitely more heads-up driving is a better way to go. Stay off the racing line. I think that's really a pretty obvious point to make. Uh, And just realize that you have to assume that people are on the track until you're off the track because even after the checkered flag flies, people could still be on a hot lap. So I think basically those penalties were justified. The two McLaren drivers just weren't paying enough attention, and they shouldn't have been on the racing line. I think that's the end of it. 
don't suggest more rules. Don't try to you know complicate things because that's just going to give people un unnecessary uh, penalties, unjustified penalties in the future. If someone was going seventy five percent. Uh, max speed instead of the required 80%, some new rule they come up with or something like that. Yeah, and the teams have spotters, too. They have uh, information with where the other cars are on track, and you know all the teams can see all the timing and scoring information. So they should have been on the radio to, to the drivers saying, hey, guys, watch out because there's two cars still on qualifying laps, and it's not that hard to work out based on the sector times where they are on track, and they should know where their own drivers are. So uh, you know a bit more information from the team, um, and, and Heike said they did not get that information, so I guess you can put that a little bit on the team, but I think it ultimately comes down to the drivers, and it's unfortunate for the McLarens that both drivers had those penalties, so I don't, that's why I don't think the results of this race are necessarily indicative of the rest of the season, because the Lewis Hamilton certainly should be just as strong as ever, and uh, you know, fighting right up there with the Ferraris, but I guess it just shows you sort of how quickly the, the balance can swing one way or the other. Right, and that's true, but you could see it in the performance of the race that the McLarens did, had nothing for the Ferraris this weekend. And, you know, BMW Sauber was seen to be holding its own. And regardless of qualifying position, it, BMW Sauber may have been able to take uh, higher spots from McLaren anyway. That's true. And, but I do, I do think that Heike Kovalainen put in a solid drive, um, probably better than Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he finished up better than Lewis. And uh, between Lewis pushing really hard and, you know, overworking his tires and so on and, and then just making a couple you know, just a couple wiggles here and there and that that's more the norm now than it used to be um i think on their first pit stop uh lewis adjusted the, the balance of the car a little too much to the front had, you know added a lot more front wing to try to combat downforce yeah then the rear became really loose and uh, i think it's pretty obvious that he just didn't have the setup quite right yeah whereas hecky's drive seemed to be just more drama free which that's usually sort of a trademark lewis thing but uh hey that's that's how it goes so it i think you know Good for Hecky to show some form in the team and not just show that he's second fiddle. He's not he's not Massa to, uh, to to the Raikkonen of uh, Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about uh, Hamilton's first pit stop. You know, he his first pit stop lasted nearly 20 seconds instead of the usual 10 or less that we see in for uh, in F1 these days. Uh, he had a problem with his right front tire; they couldn't get it off, and then they had trouble getting the nut back on as well. And uh, what did you see, Jim? Well, as soon as they pulled the right front wheel off, there was just a huge amount of brake dust coming out. So definitely he was working the car really hard. And whether the, the cooling system was adequately sized for this race or not, we don't really know. It was definitely really hot conditions. But uh, a lot of brake dust coming out. And they had trouble getting uh, both the wheel off, but they have that um, the cover that goes over the wheel that, that works as an air duct to try to suck uh, cooler air in onto the brake caliper. And so it's that disc that actually goes in front of the wheel. They had trouble getting the old one off and then getting the new one back on. Um, just And it's unclear exactly what the problem was, but maybe just things were so hot, something sort of got melded together that shouldn't have been or something in the tool didn't work quite right. So uh, he actually did the second stint with the, the that uh, exterior cooling duct not quite spot, you know, stuck on in the yeah, right spot. Yeah, it was spinning freely with the wheel instead of locked in with the hub. Or with the calipers, so it, it wasn't providing the proper cooling. It was just spinning round and round, and so it was cool for the McLarens to have spinners for a little while, but not quite <laughs> as efficient. So, uh, just not as smooth of a weekend for McLaren. I think, though, we're not going to see this become a reoccurring theme. I think McLaren will probably settle back into their groove just fine, and hopefully Bahrain will prove to be a really challenging tight race between the Ferraris and McLarens, and maybe, hopefully, just slightly, BMW Sauber will be there kicking at the heels a little bit, nudging some people. Yeah, it's too bad BMW's fortunes, they, they 
you know, they could have had, uh, well, it was Heidfeld last week on the podium and, and Kubica this week on the podium, and that's great to have two back-to-back, but there's obviously not a lot of consistency there. And, it's you know, it's a problem with one car or another, or it's, you know, Kubica's had a... Well, it was mostly dumb luck, right? I mean, Kubica was in running in as high as second place uh, on the opening weekend in Australia, and he, he literally just got punted yeah. by Kaz Nakajima in, in the Williams. Exactly, so. and then and in the past, you know, where he's actually been in line to almost win a race, and he's got, you know, because problems in the car and, and different things. So BMW just doesn't quite have the reliability there, but it seems like if they can sort that out and have two drivers consistently, you know, fighting up for these for these good high positions, uh, they can be doing really well. I mean, Nick Heidfeld finished in sixth, which is certainly respectable, and that's that's valuable points there. But if they can have the, you know, right up there in the in the top four, um, that could just they could just be a really big powerhouse. And already they're affecting the outcome of the championship between McLaren and Ferrari. So oh, right now they're second in the constructors' championship with 19 points to Ferrari's 11, which is all. Raikkonen, by the way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, they're, I think they're going to be more serious of a contention than they were last year. So, and I still think they're going to win a race this year. I think they definitely could. It's interesting that at this point, we can't really say who would, would bring them that win, though. It's, uh, you know, traditionally, Heidfeld has looked stronger. He's been with the team a bit longer and so on. But um, with, with Kubica coming up lately, just with his great performance today and, um, you know his his good qualifying and, and so on in Australia until until his problems. Um, it seems like you know uh, Kubica may may be coming out as the stronger driver for right now, but it's it's still hard to say. It's hard to say. I think Heidfeld seems to be more consistent. Kubica has those splashes of brilliance, and this this race weekend was a very good race for him. He qualified well, but his race was really quite good. He had one of the heavier fuel loads uh, of the lineup and. He still showed well. He was still competitive. And, I mean, second place, you know, yeah, he was he was miles behind Raikkonen, but that was a very strong position. And if Raikkonen made any kind of mistake, if anything happened, that would have been a BMW Sauber victory. Yeah, exactly. And, and all it would have taken, you know, in, in last week's race, after all the attrition and everything, it, it sort of reinforces the point of you just can't ever give up because you don't know what's going to happen you could be behind Felipe Massa, and he may just spin off into the into the gravel for no apparent reason. Absolutely, and, uh, you got to be there to take advantage of that. And, and once uh, once again, Nick Heidfeld did score the fastest uh, race lap of <laughs> of the race. So uh, allow myself to introduce myself. Yeah, we got to give him credit for that. Definitely, that's. And, uh, I mean, so that BMW Sauber was the fastest vehicle this race, kind of. Not, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So th- I think that's going to be a very serious car. And who knows? I don't know what track's going to be strong for BMW, but you know, you get the right track combination, they might be the strong car. Certainly. But uh, starting directly behind the Ferraris this weekend, um, Jarno Trulli and his Toyota. Now, he qualified fifth, but because both the McLarens were penalized, he ended up starting in third spot. How about that? Yeah, which is higher than a uh, Toyota has started since, since I can remember offhand. Since, anyway. like, totally forever ago. Yeah. Um, so... Well done, uh, and, and I guess that that's the uh, you never know what's going to happen. I guess plays itself out again there with uh, you know who would have thought even Yarno uh, by the end of qualifying wouldn't have thought he'd be starting third. Um, he lost a lot of spots in the uh, in, in, in the first couple of laps. I mean Yarno's not I wouldn't brilliant. Say he lost a lot of spots. Well, he's he, down like two or three spots, which quickly. is so for Yarno. Truly, he broke even. That's roughly about <laughs> breaking even for him. That's that's about yeah. You know, if he only loses two spots on the opening lap, he's like. Yes! And those two spots were gimmies anyway from the McLaren. So Nailed it. So fair enough. <laughs> Timo Glock, his teammate, unfortunately, though. Um, he glocked it. Yeah, well, he had to <laughs> Timo <laughs> Glock is proving that he can feel Ralph Schumacher's shoes, and after all, so... And actually crashed spectacularly one way or another. That's great for Toyota. No, I mean, I don't know. I Glock, 
Glock had a run in with uh, was it Nico Rosberg? Nico Rosberg on the first lap. It was kind of hard to say whether Glock pinched Rosberg off or if Rosberg was trying to be a little bit aggressive, trying to undertake on the inside late. It, it happened in the carousel turn between the two uh, straightaways. It, it's really hard to tell, but either way, it, either way, it Nico w- Rosberg ended up having to go into the pits early to get a new nose. But since he missed the pit entry because it was so close to the to the pit entry, Nico had to do a slow lap around without a front wing and then go into the pit. So that just kind of kind of messed up Nico's days, but not as bad as Glock. <laughs> Glock was done. Yeah, Nico ended up fourteenth, but. Uh, I mean that that always sucks, especially in your second Grand Prix, or I guess he's he's done a couple of Grand Prix, but his you know second Grand Prix with his new team Toyota for Team Glock to be out in lap one and uh, just have to pack up and go home at that spot at that point is uh, it's really too bad. But even then, I mean, you, you look at qualifying times again. Glock was tenth in qualifying compared to Truly's fifth in terms of pure speed here. So you know, I think Truly so far is definitely carrying the team. Now we we have to give Glock some time, of, you know, five or six races to get comfortable, but. So far, he's he's not performing as well as Truly. Yeah, but you know, good work, Truly this this weekend. Uh, he didn't, uh, did, you know, the battery box didn't catch fire underneath him or anything. So, True. Uh, you know, that's uh, he didn't have to hop out of the car and in, in screaming pain or anything like that. So, uh, you know, good work, and he he held it all together, and the car stayed together for him for the race. So fourth was... place, fourth place. I mean, that's that's very very healthy. That's five points for the team for Truly. I mean, it, it's quite good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that puts them ahead of. Uh, let's see. He's eighth. He's eighth in the drivers' championship now, ahead of Kazuki Nakajima, just behind Fernando Alonso. So, you know, really very solid for him. And you know, if if Toyota can keep this up, I mean, Toyota is one of the teams that has showed good performance in the first two races. You know, yeah. Williams was hot and cold. Honda's been hot and cold. Uh, Renault has been, you know, a little bit hot and cold. Although Alonso's been strong, and. You know, so Toyota, I think, has a serious car this year. And, I mean, it's obviously only two races in, but they're ahead of uh, Red Bull Renault. They're ahead of STR, Honda, Force India, and Super Aguri. So, you know, they're still, whether well, they're not really the best of the rest. I mean, there certainly is a big gap to Williams, but there seems like they're competitive with Williams and Renault and uh, could, you know, still be sort of a factor in the in the Constructors' Championships. Yeah, I think you're referring to BMW Sauber, but absolutely. What did uh, I say? You said Williams. Oh, it's okay. You're still confusing no, the no, two they're, for they're, the good old days. No, Williams-Toyota, man. I was talking about Williams. Oh, were you talking about Williams? I was talking about they're, well, four, they're fourth in the constructors' championship, and Toyota is sixth. So uh, they're still okay. they're within only four points of each other. Well, well, I I only tried to correct you incorrectly because uh, Toyota uh, factory team actually outperformed Williams Toyota quite handedly today, and it's only been two races. So, uh, you know, I think there's uh, there's fortune. I guess Williams had a really strong weekend first weekend. So. There's the discrepancy. Yeah, they set the bar a bit, a bit high there, and uh, we'll have to see if they can if they can keep up with that. Jim, my apologies. No worries. Um, unfor- and, the, and the other unfortunate, uh, you know, half lap race category. Merd. Uh, uh, yeah, Sebastian Bourdais um, just could not, you know, t- uh, show us whether his performance last weekend was a one off or whether he's you know really going to be that strong because they had his one off. Gone out and <laughs> lap one. He was off in one, so one off, off in one, same thing. And it's really a shame. Uh, who knows what happened? The excitement of the first lap. Uh, there was some speculation that he might have gotten bumped, nudged into that position. Yeah, we didn't see any clear no, replay of that. No camera so. angles prove that that we saw. So, uh, according to the official results, he just simply spun. And then, uh, and but Sebastian Vettel went on to uh, have a have a pretty good race, thirty nine laps in until his engine blew up, which is now so twice in a row. Yeah. Ouch. So, STR has some work to get done 
um, in the next two weeks, if they can work on some of the reliability issues or whether it's cooling or something, they're just pushing the cars a little harder than they need to. Or well, that, what that's an interesting is. thing. We're talking about Red Bull teams and reliability here. And this might not be a bad idea, bad time to bring up David Coulthard's Friday morning incident. Oh, man, we didn't talk about that yet, did we? No. Well, um, Coulthard, and, and, and this is Friday practice, so, you know, they're trying to... Morning practice. First practice. Yeah. Yeah, they're getting they're, to the whole deal. They're trying different setups. You know, they're they're getting the drivers worked into the tracks. He runs a little bit wide, and I think it's turn eleven, and um, goes over a curb, and the the front suspension of the car proceeds to just disintegrate. I think he hit a thimble. We don't even know, but it he just you know he got off a little bit off track and went over a curb that didn't look like I mean it wasn't like a Timo Glock you know mountain that he ran into to go airborne or anything it was just a, absolutely not just like next thing you curb. know three wheels are dangling from their uh, little strappy things what yeah. are they called I com- completely lost the my wheel head. tethers the wheel tethers yeah so his wow front, the front suspension just falls to bits as he goes over this curb and then and then of course. The rest of the car just hits the ground and slides across into the gravel trap. And if there weren't a nice big gravel trap in that corner, that could have been disastrous. I mean, that could have been pretty bad. It could have been another rollover easily. <laughs> yeah. So they, um, the FIA went to investigate it because it's an Adrian Newey designed car. So they sort of went through his, and I don't know quite how closely they can scrutinize these things without, you know, testing the car and running it over different curbs and yeah. having it, um, you know, if they can look at the, the, designs and the plans and so on but there's got to been a lot of brilliant people that have already looked at the designs and plans and determined it was okay but it was basically a hey red bull wtf here what's going on your car disintegrated yeah like are you working so hard on performance that you're forgetting about safety or what's the deal here so you know is adrian newey trying to push the envelope a bit too far um we didn't see any any other evidence of any problems with red bull cars through the rest of the race i mean except for the fact that red bull's engine's blown again and, and once again there maybe there's an issue of uh, you know, are the tolerances too tight? Is he just not allowing enough engine cooling in, in the car? I, and I guess what I'm getting at here is how much has Newey's design affected both the STR and Red Bull, and how much of this are we going to see? Yeah, and I guess we'll just have to see as as it plays out. But uh, well, here's the thing: Bahrain is the next race. It's another extremely it's another hot, hot desert race. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, how many how many Ferrari engines is he going to have to go through? Yeah, really, and. and <clears throat> You know, so we're gonna have to see if they, if the FIA can actually go and mandate a, a change to the, to the, you know, engineering of the, of the front suspension. If they've got to rework some of the things aerodynamically, if they've just got to add strength, and how that's gonna work. And I don't know how, sort of, you know, how closely the FIA can can get into the design of the car. If they can really go in there and specify. Um, or change the rules so that the things have to be certain widths. I mean, again, we're sort of wary of there being too many rules and too many different regulations. Absolutely. And, you know, at what point do the car designers just have to make something that simply fits the rules, and at what point can they really design something innovative? Or is this simply a one-time just random a occurrence, angle. just a funny angle, <laughs> and someone didn't you know, tighten certain screw just right and something went all to bits and pieces it, it could turn into nothing, but it was very interesting to us that the FIA pounced on it like they did. Yeah, certainly, and we'll have to see if they come up with any announcements or anything. But uh, they haven't been uh, Red Bull has not been penalized in any way, and uh, <clears throat> other than the fact that they had to rebuild the bloody car after Friday. Yeah, but not by the FIA. That was by their own their own cool tards crashing. But uh, <laughs> so, what about Honda this weekend? Well, Honda was okay, and that's okay. Because they've been really bad before, and they weren't so bad. So we're going to say it's okay. We're going to say not awful. Button was 10th. Rubens Barrichello was 13th. And 
you know, for this year and last year's Honda, that's that's respectable. Right. Now, it's the, not they, it's not the performance we were seeing last weekend by Barrichello. Barrichello was running very strong. But, again, that was hard to call representative because of so many failures and crashes and everything else. But so. both cars finished the race. I mean, that's 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 something that, you know, the Ferrari-powered cars couldn't all do. <laughs> you know, that's 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 certainly something in itself. And, and Button went on to say that the, the car felt reasonably good to him. He said, yeah, race. he said he sort of did his best he could with, with what was there, and they're making progress on the car, so they, they have to feel good about it and, uh, and, and go on. And I guess that's about all there is to say about them. Yeah, well, we said from the beginning, you know, Ross Braun has taken over as team principal. We think he's going to do great things with the team if anybody can. And it's, but I still believe firmly it's going to take a year before you see any real progress. Hopefully, they'll be able to continuously pick away at it, improve, and maintain a solid mid-pack result. But we're not going to get anything beyond that from them this year, I think. And it's too bad because this is Honda, and they, you know, Jensen Button has won a race, and Honda <coughs> used to be this glorious engine manufacturer in, in the in the sport and all that, and, and just the... whoa, 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 whoa. There's still a glorious engine manufacturer. My CBR is sweet. Okay. Fair enough, but although that was made how many years ago? I mean, come on. Fair. So that's fair. Also, it's not an it's not an 07 or 08. So tit for tat, I suppose. So it's it's, it's too bad the tenth and third and you know what is tenth and twelfth, tenth and thirteenth is as is as good as they can get right now. But we'll give them some time, and uh, hopefully they can work it out. People Absolutely. we don't want to give time to. <laughs> John Carlo Fisichella somehow still has a job, and basically just still sucks. Yeah. I don't know what the deal is, but uh, Force India has not been a force to be reckoned with so much. They've been kind of chilling. They put a lot of money into the team, you know, or you know, Fizzy didn't, but uh, you know, Vijay Malia <laughs> did, and uh, there's a lot of development going on. And I, I, he ended up 12th, which, again, not terrible, but he's just why? Why is he? Why are they paying him as much as they are? And why? Why couldn't they get some younger, hungrier driver in that seat to really well, just, you know, get some? Who, desire behind that. He's supposed to bring to the team experience, knowledge of setup and things like that. Maybe he's offering Adrian Sutil some kind of advice, like if you're going to crash, this is who to blame afterwards or something. I don't know. I, I, Adrian Sutil was out early with a hydraulic issue, and uh, I agree with you. I think Fisichella has been past his prime. He's, he's too inconsistent, and he's not going to do anything special for that team. But you know what? I'll, I'll also say this: it's kind of a backmarker team, and he can do less damage in the back than he can in the middle. So that's true, I guess. Because <laughs> I mean, when he was when when you know Alonso was running away with his championships in uh, in what oh five and oh six with with the Renault and and Fizzy Carlo was right there in the same car, he just had nothing. And now I guess he's still got nothing, but at least he's in a backmarker team. So maybe you can blame it on the car now. True. It's not the car. True. It's Fizzy. Speaking about the car, there's now a part of the car that has to last four races. The FIA has come out with a new mandate that gearboxes and some main internal bits of the gearboxes have to last four races um, straight. And if they don't, they're going to get a five-grid penalty in qualifying. So they are still allowed to change gear ratios and a couple other wearable items. But like the key pieces, the core parts of the transmission, have to be used at least Four races, which comes to about 2,000 kilometers. So this is in addition to the two race weekends per engine rule, um, which is the same as last year. And this is new for 2008. This isn't something they added just for this this race. I mean, this was the same last weekend as well, but we had so much else to talk about that we didn't get into this. But, uh, yeah, so the gearboxes have to be have to be designed just that much more uh, robustly. Um, they, like Robin mentioned, they can change the internals to get the different gear ratios, but the actual case of the transmission, which I think is a load-bearing part of the car still, yep. and... Um, 
you know, they just have to do that much more R and D. And it's, I still think it's questionable how these things really save, um, save costs. I mean, ultimately, this is a cost-saving measure. You have to physically build less, fewer transmissions. Right. But there's so much development. But there's more R and D now. Yeah, there's so much more development work, and I guess the 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 and the transmissions they end up with are that much better. But then, if for 2009 they change the rules again, then maybe all this all this R and D that's gone into these nice, reliable transmissions will just be lost because it's no longer the rules. And it's so this whole. I mean, the cost saving is it's such a tricky deal in F1 where they want to, you know, anytime they change anything, um, there's so much R and D that all the teams have to do to meet the new regulations and do all the testing required to, you know, how any little change to the car is going to affect the aerodynamics, it's going to affect the balance, it's going to affect the just the mechanical design that. It's so hard to change anything, but at the same time, they want to make things more reliable. So, I, so far, we haven't seen any gearbox failures. Right. Um, I mean, we'll see. Well, some people blamed failures on gearboxes last weekend, but I don't think this was, you know, a horrible idea or a brilliant one. If if they wanted to do this, I don't see why they couldn't just attach a two-race requirement to the transmission to go on par with the engine. But I'm not in the FIA, so what do I know? Yeah. So we have well we haven't seen anybody penalized for a gearbox change that I'm aware of anyway. So uh, no, we'll, we'll have to oh, see. Oh no, that. I'm not sure that's true. I believe uh, wasn't Glock penalized? He was penalized five spots last race for blocking, and then another five for his gearbox. I thought. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. I stand let me corrected. let me look into that. All right. Well, um, so I guess that that may have uh, affected our outcome a little bit, but because um, because Glock well this he qualified tenth. But uh, yeah, this was a first race weekend. Yeah, but he would have taken that penalty. Although he started, yeah, he started tenth. So he, he didn't have any penalties for this weekend. Um, but I guess yeah, if over the course of the weekend, because Fridays don't count for the engine rule, and I'm not quite sure if they. I guess that the teams just put in a, a spare testing engine into the car and go run as many laps as they can. And if they blow it up, no worries, they can put in another test engine. Um, which is why I don't think these things are really saving that many, you know, that that many dollars here. And um, then they put the race engine back into the car for actual qualifying and racing. So as far as a, as far as the FIA is concerned, a race weekend means Saturday qualifying and Sunday racing. Yeah, I, and I'm not the Friday practice. I'm pretty darn sure that that's what happened because Glock qualified ninth for the Australian Grand Prix, but then started the race 18th, and I think someone else was was bumped back or something, and and so we ended up 18th, which is nine spots instead of 10. But I think that's what happened. So yeah. we we did see that rule come into play, although. Again, I, I agree with you. Ultimately, it's going to be fairly insignificant throughout the course of the season, unless the you know Ferraris they or start McLarens really start shows. having yeah some failures. And and I guess once we get to the fourth race, we'll have to see if uh, you know who is all still standing and who isn't, if, if anything. But um, again, that's one of those we're just going to have to sort of wait and see how how the new regs are really going to affect on track racing and actually affect the drivers' championship because that's more likely to affect the teams lower down in the in the order. And uh, you know maybe mix things up at the at the mid pack or, or in, in the near the back, but I just hope it doesn't hurt. And I guess I guess when you're at the back of the grid, you know a five spot grid penalty may not be that big a deal if you're going yeah. from 21st to 22nd to Super Aguri or something. Then it's not a big deal. But I always hate to see it sort of hurt the little guys. But uh, they need all the help they can get. Yeah. Well, there it is. So this race wasn't quite as exciting, quite as teeth grinding as the last one, but. That has not stopped the F1 show for being exciting and teeth grinding. We still got all sorts of new things coming. We've got, first of all, our brand new Super Pimp uh, studio setup here, which I'm absolutely in love with. Yeah, we may actually have to take a photo of what we're doing here and, and post that up on the Facebook there's page. There's a lot of cables. But, oh, there's a lot of There's a whole mixer and a whole new display so we can look at the race results. We have a central display system. Try not to say anything that's too incorrect. An and, SDS. Uh, no, CDS. Damn it. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we want to thank Central every- should be spelled with an S. 
Then we could call it SDS. That, that I'll, have, I'll, I'll look into that. I'll I'm going to talk to the dictionary yes. about that. Um, but uh, we want to mention, just visit F1Show.com. There's links to everything we do there. But There's the Facebook page. Uh, leave us a voicemail on Skype. You can actually be on the show. if you. No gotta... one has done that yet. Yeah, really. What's, Guys, what's... be on the show. Come on, let's get, our, let's get our fan base on the show and become let's part of it Let's get pumped. Let's get excited. So uh, you can just click right through on F1Show.com. You can leave us feedback. You can leave us comments on our, on our different posts. Jim, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Felipe Massa is the greatest F1 driver to have ever lived. If you disagree with me... Call on Skype. All right, go ahead. All right. There you have it. There's a there's your challenge. Um, Massa <laughs> is the greatest. Only to be possibly eclipsed by Ralph Schumacher. Ralph I think, I think Schumacher. He's just the greatest of the All greatest. hail Ralph Schumacher. That's got to get some, I some hope feedback. Someone's got to be. Somebody's got to reply to that. I think that's got to. you got to be some vein popping on someone's forehead somewhere. If you not, if you don't have Skype or if you uh, don't feel like having your voice on, on our show, which would be awesome. Um, you can just email us, feedback at f1show.com, or, of course, visit our Facebook page. There's a link to it right on the f1show.com site. Speaking of that. I want to thank everyone who has posted. Absolutely, and thank you for all the Facebook fans. This is great. We're getting more fans. Uh, I don't want to say every day, but we're getting more fans every show, and we're, we're absolutely loving it. We encourage you guys to start conversations and, and get to know each other better. And you know, We really like the idea of a lively, sociable F1 community. And we want the show to be, you know, you know, kind of live off of that energy of everyone just into the into the race series, you know. Yeah. So if you guys again have ideas on, you know, things you'd like to hear more of us cover or things you don't want to hear about, let us know because uh, we want to, you know, we're not just talking for, for the sake of us talking. We want to, you know, know what people are going to like and, and what people are going to be interested in. And our page, we are we are set up um, so you guys can be fans of us. It's a little bit different from an actual group um, in that uh, Robin and I have total sort of control over the whole page. It's not. I guess it's less of a democracy and more of a dictatorship <laughs> in the Facebook world. It's our but, stuff. But uh, what's cool about it is we, we can sort of see who's who's into our show and uh, you know what their interests are and so on. And and also we can actually put updates out. So when you know if we have uh, another video coming out or we have you know big deal if we're coming to, to one of the races or something like that, and we want to meet up with some fans. We can actually send out an update that uh, will show up in your inboxes. So it's it's a little bit more um, more of a one way where we're we're sort of sending information out. But fans can post photos and videos. If if you go to any of the events and have any any cool video clips or, or photos, certainly by all means post them up. And uh, or you can, start a discussion, perhaps. That would be that would be awesome. That and would be uh, brilliant. We try to drop Jordan. in whenever we can to uh, to answer any questions people have and uh, and go from there. So I think that's about it. No, that's not it. You don't want to forget about our super awesome, lovely sponsor. I re- I don't. I really don't. We are F1 Show is now supported by the Performance Box, a GPS-based lap timer, performance meter, and data logger. Perfect for any car nut to use at track days, autocrosses, or simply to see what your car can do. Shipping worldwide from VBox USA. For more info and online store, go to performancedrift.com. That is performance, D-R-I-F-T dot com. You've got to buy one. only 500 bucks. Only 500 Actually, you know what's funny is it says... To or to simply see what your car can do. I should probably All fix right, well, that. Performancedrift.com is not, you, not liable for any typos. Do you see how be. I fixed that on the fly? You're, I just ran with it. You're pretty amazing. Well, we've got two weeks until the next race. We've actually got a, a weekend off. This Everyone time. together. Aww. <laughs> but uh, they'll be coming into uh, to Bahrain for the, the, the third race, which is the last of the non-European races. So And um, also the last of the super mega uber hot races to open the season. Yeah, for a while. And uh, McLaren, uh, Ron Dennis specifically, has said, 
Uh, don't judge the McLaren's performance until we get to Spain, which is the first of the European rounds, because uh, they and a lot of the teams will save some of their developments and, and you know new updates until they get back to Europe and they have all the right spares and all the engineers and they're working at the factory. Because these cars have got to be shipped around all over the world. I mean, it's a lot of logistics to to, to take in, and uh, and it's the beginning of the season and everything. Everyone's getting their the whole season figured out. So um, we should see a couple of new updates at the uh, as they get back to Europe. And so in Spain, we'll see if the McLarens can but enter of course, the Ferraris. And that's not that's going to be true for everybody, not just McLarens. Exactly, so. exactly. And uh, you know, there's only, there's only so far, and the, the points they score now are just as important as the points they score in the last race. So um, definitely, these, these these are in the books, and uh, there's still another race in between then, and certainly a lot can happen next week. And of course, Two we're going to be the ones to bring it to you as soon as we can. So until then, I'm Robin Warner, and I'm Jim Lau. See ya.